This is Adam Gorney uh, here with Nick Harris, the National Recruiting Analyst for Rivals with the Respect My Decision podcast this week, uh, taking the world by storm. And this week we are talking uh, players in Texas that are uncommitted and some who are committed that we're not entirely certain won't flip somewhere else. Uh, there are definitely still a lot of guys in the state of Texas who haven't made their decisions and what gets really interesting here, Nick, is that Texas A&M could really clean up at the top. Um, I don't know if they've ever had such a run like this. And coming off that 2022 class, um, it would be very interesting to see, you know, them land three of the top four or, you know, a lot of the guys at the top here. At the top right now is TJ Shanahan Jr., um, <clears throat> who's working his way toward a decision. Texas A&M is definitely one of the schools involved. He's told me numerous times that he that he feels he wants to play in the SEC. How do you kind of see this one shaping up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on again. It's, it's good to be back. Um, TJ Shanahan, a five-star offensive lineman from Austin Westlake. Uh, he took some official visits during the month of June, and he's kind of somebody who takes a visit and just raves about that school coming off of the visit. He did it with Georgia whenever he took it there the first weekend of June, and there was a lot of steam heading towards Georgia, and he even told me right after the visit, you know, Georgia's right at the top right now. It's going to be tough to, to beat them out. And then he went to A&M, and then he went to A&M again, and then he went a third time in July. And, you know, I kind of feel that's kind of where he's heading right now, and his timeline is looking to be – Pretty accelerated. It would not surprise me entirely if he makes a decision in the month of September. Um, and I'm expecting right now to Texas A&M to be the choice. I entered my uh, future cast, I believe that was last month. Still feel pretty good about it. I, I think that's where he ends up in the end. David Hicks is an interesting one <clears throat> because it seems like Oklahoma has the edge for him, but Texas A&M won't give up. He's now playing his senior season kind of outside of Houston, which could be significant, I guess, in his recruitment there's a lot of Oklahoma talk. There's a lot of A&M talk. How do you kind of see this shaping up and where does he end up, do you think? You know, I do kind of see this as a two-school battle right now, but I think there's really important context in that conversation and the fact of defensive line coach Todd Bates. Uh, whenever he was at Clemson, he was a big reason why Clemson was near the top for David Hicks. Uh, whenever David Hicks was at Allen, his previous high school, uh, Bates made a couple of trips to his games during his sophomore year or during his junior season, uh, which is, you know, not really seen unless it's an elite recruit that you're trying to build a relationship with. And uh, he was able to do to do just that. And when he made the move to Norman, uh, it was pretty seamless in the Hicks uh, recruitment. Uh, you know, Brent Vittables being there as well. He was a big part of Hicks's recruitment at Clemson. So having those two guys in Norman and being able to recruit him to a closer place, uh, I think it helped out. But then getting him on campus in late July and really showing him, you know, what they were able, what they can do with him, uh, you know, early in his career in Norman, if he were to go to Oklahoma, I think that really opened his eyes and opened the eyes of his parents. You know, Hicks always talked about, uh, you know, committing at the Under Armour All-American game um, later this cycle, even after early signing day. But, you know, as I see it now, I think his his recruitment is getting way sped up. I think we could see a decision here in the next coming weeks. Um, so if you're Texas A&M right now, you're kind of reeling. But, you know, if he does make an Oklahoma commitment in the next few weeks, I, that's not going to stop Texas A&M from trying to put him before signing day and I think his eyes will still be you know open towards the Aggies uh going towards going towards signing day but we'll just kind of have to see how that shakes out as time goes on I know we're talking about a lot of Texas players here and a lot of Texas people are listening and you just mentioned Allen and oof did they take a they have, they have that beautiful stadium oh that is such a nice stadium but god did I know I know high school football in Texas is, is much bigger and more important than everywhere else but god 
that 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 one must have hurt, huh? Yeah, tough L. But you know, <laughs> I, hey, give us give us a, a, a private school where we can recruit. Hey, we might be able to do the same thing. We might just need to do an all star game next year. Right, right. <laughs> I had to take that shot. Uh, <laughs> JV and Toviano, I thought he looked great in week zero. Um, you know, they, no one's going to throw the ball to his side, but that's almost like a compliment to him. He could be a corner. He could be a safety. When I saw the film from Future 50, I thought he kind of turned a little slow. I didn't kind of see the athleticism as much, but in the game, he was super smooth. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because it's, for so long, it's felt like Texas A&M, but now others might be creeping in a little bit and kind of get, get a sense of that. How do you kind of see this playing out, or is that just a little bit of a smoke screen because everybody knows he's going to College Station? Look, I'll tell you right now, I think anybody who tells you that they know exactly what JV and Toviano is going to do, they're a liar. Uh, he's really good at keeping his recruitment close to the vest. He's really good at throwing reporters off in one way and throwing reporters off in another way. And he's even he's even told people in the past, like, yeah, I try to throw reporters off. So, you know, it's part of the game. And, you know, I have to respect him for it. And I have to respect when recruits try to throw us off. But it does make our job a little bit more difficult because we have to do a lot more sourcing. But my best intel tells me is that Texas A&M, uh, Michigan, oddly enough, LSU and Texas, they're right there in that mix. I think all those schools are going to battle here down the stretch. I don't see him making a commitment until at the earliest early signing day. I could be wrong. He's talked about wanting to do it. Uh, he talked about wanting to do it before the season, and obviously that didn't happen. So uh, we'll just kind of see how his timeline shakes out, where he takes visits. This will be one where actions speak a lot louder than his words. So just so where he shows up this fall where he goes and sees games and how he kind of speaks coming off of those visits. I think that'll be able to tell us more. On Jalen Hale, I keep coming back to that picture of he and Arch at Georgia and being like, that seemed like they were really close. And now it seems like Texas has kind of jumped out. Is that fair to say? I mean, Bama is still there and, and some other schools as well, but it just seems like this is trending Texas now, or am I wrong? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think something that I'm keeping in the back of my mind is the fact that he's going to Alabama this weekend and then he's going to Texas next weekend to most likely see Alabama um, do their thing against Texas. So <laughs> if, if we see that happen back to back weeks, you know, how does Jalen Hale kind of think coming off of yeah. those two trips? But um, I think that'll be more towards uh, I think that'll speak more towards what Texas will be able to do on his official visit and also kind of laying the expectation of what could happen next week while he's on that official visit. Uh, but we'll see coming out of Austin how he feels and, and where he's kind of thinking. But, you know, as I see it right now today, what is today? Wednesday, August 31st. Uh, I see him. Um, I, I see Texas being the leader. Are you hinting at something that Alabama might do once they come to Austin and uh <laughs> And play the look, Longhorns. Look, if I had if I had a guess right now, I say they win by three scores. <laughs> is that the first half line or the uh, the whole game? That's a, that's a good question too. Yeah. That is a great question as well. <laughs> uh, Bravion Rogers. Now he's committed to a He was committed to AM and it looked like that was that was set. Now he's open, and this gets interesting because a lot of people think he's just destined for LSU. I happen to think that maybe going back to AM is a possibility. What's going on there? And and this is someone who I think, as we see more of him, once uh, we get the rental car to LaGrange, Texas, the, the beautiful <laughs> metropolis, uh, we could we could think he's even higher, higher ranked than he is right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're on the same page here, Gorney. I think A&M is really starting to move themselves back up to the top of the leaderboard for Bravion Rogers. Um, you know, for why he decommitted, he really wanted to look around. I know LSU was 
the school that really made him think a lot. And I, if I had to pin one school as the reason why he decommitted, it was LSU. Uh, but Texas A&M has had really positive conversations with him in the week since. I think there is a very clear path to him ending up back in the class, as well as Johnny Bowen. So those are two p- potential decommits that could recommit to Texas A&M. You know, you rarely see that, especially twice in one class with highly rated uh, and highly recruited prospects like those two guys. But speaking about Roger specifically, I think he's still going to take his time with the process. He'll take visits to LSU, potentially Alabama, potentially Florida. And I know TCU has also been in the mix for an official visit. But, um, you know, Texas A&M is very much in the thick of it still. I think they're, you know, 1A, 1B with with LSU right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people think he's just going to flip to LSU and it's going to be over with. But I don't think Texas A&M is going to let him go that easily. Uh, Colin Simmons, let's talk to 2024 high, high end five-star guys, Colin Simmons, uh, like, like we talked about before, maybe a little slow start on Saturday or Friday, whenever they played South Oak cliff, but this kid can come off the edge. He can rush. He can get people on the ground. He's almost, it seems like skinnier than he was last year at this time, which maybe he's kind of becoming that outside linebacker, um, again, but phenomenal speed and athleticism off the edge he was our number one player in 24 he is now in the top five I think that's fair I mean Dylan Rayola is special special quarterback um now his recruitment though gets interesting because a lot of people talk LSU like it's almost done I I don't feel like that like I think Texas is going to be involved I think A&M is going to be involved um it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out I wouldn't count out an Alabama I do think he stays somewhere in the South. Um, How do you kind of see this playing out and where it's going? You know, with most of the 2024s and with Collins specifically, I think it's still very wide open. Um, I know there has been a lot of LSU buzz. He he was in Baton Rouge over the summer for a visit, and they did a great job. Don't get me wrong. LSU is still, like, very much at the top of this race probably. Uh, But you can't discount Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Um, and some of these other schools that are recruiting him pretty hard, Alabama, and also can't discount Oregon as well. I think Oregon's going to have a huge splash in 2024 in the state of Texas, Um, and they're recruiting some high-end guys, and we'll talk about Oregon a little bit more with Micah Hudson. But um, talking about Colin Simmons, he's still very wide open, still feeling out his options. I think he's going to be one that even takes it, you know, closer to his own signing day next season. So I, I don't think anything's happening anytime soon. But that being said, I think LSU is still very much in this race for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, and then let's talk Hudson because I saw some clips from his first game. He looks like Garrett Wilson 2.0, right? I mean, is that, that, that seems like what he is. And that means first round draft pick, you know, catch a million balls somewhere. Ohio state has been mentioned with him. He seems very interested in them. And I think that's the pitch that they're giving him. Texas A&M is definitely right there as well. And, and maybe Oregon now, what's kind of your sense? Yeah, I, I just saw Micah a few weeks ago and chopped it up with him just about some of the schools that are very much in the mix. Um, he mentioned Oregon. He mentioned Oklahoma. He mentioned Texas A&M. Uh, I think those three schools are doing probably the best job right now. But I think the fourth school that's also in that mix is Texas Tech. Do not discount mm. Texas Tech here. If they go out and have a really big season this year and they're able to put the air in the ball and, and really show uh, Micah that they can get him some stats in Lubbock, 
I think there's a really good chance that he ends up taking an official visit there, that Texas Tech is very much in the mix. I'm not saying he's going to Texas Tech. I'm just saying don't discount the Red Raiders here. Um, also, Texas, um, you know, Texas has been kind of slow recruiting 2024 recruits. Uh, I think even people in Austin would tell you that they've been really focused on this 23 class. But, you know, starting with September 1st here, starting at midnight, I think they're going to be going really hard at some guys. And I'm curious to see who calls Micah Hudson first. I think that's going to be really important um, towards his recruitment and just who, who's kind of showing him love. He's going to be one that takes visits just based off of relationships. I think that's another reason why Texas Tech is in it. So, um, you know, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, uh, Oregon, even Ohio State, I feel like those are all schools that are very much in the mix right now. Yeah, you, you said Texas Tech, and, and they have a huge opportunity. The, the optimist says opportunity. The pessimist says, wow, that schedule is tough, especially yeah. for a first-year coach uh, trying to really gain traction. And he's done a phenomenal job um, in recruiting so far. And they're going to start with Murray State. So if they could get past Jay, uh, Jai Morant there, they'll be fine. But then they have Houston, NC State, Texas, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, and that's before their bye week heading into late October. That's that's brutal. That's that's very very tough. Um, we will see, but th- there's definitely an opportunity there for you know. And you don't even have to win all those games. You just have to show that like you're you have a pulse and you can score and make people excited. And and Lubbock should be a really you know excitable place this year because Joe McGuire has done a very good job. Let's talk about three guys quickly who are committed, but we're not entirely sold. They land where they're committed to now. We start with Ruben Owens and he's only supposed to visit Louisville this season. And uh, we're not going to talk about all the NIL stuff, but there's definitely NIL stuff there. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that there is, and that's fine. I mean, I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, It does get interesting though. If Louisville struggles this season, it gets interesting. If Scott Satterfield is more on the hot seat or is let go, I would highly doubt that any AD is going to keep a coach just because of one recruiting class that is coming in. So um, does he end up at Louisville? That's a good question. Uh, I will say this. um, He has been in contact with Louisville every single day since he has committed. And if you're the Louisville staff, that would almost be um, a crime not to be in touch with him every single day. But um, they've done a really good job with maintaining conversation and maintaining that relationship. Uh, But there's also one other school that has been doing a really good job of maintaining that relationship, and it's Texas A&M. Those are the only two schools that are talking to Ruben Owens at this time. But you know, talking to people around Ruben and just kind of how he's feeling. He's not thinking about reopening his recruitment. He's really locked in with Louisville. He loves the idea of him going to Louisville and being the star as soon as he steps on campus and being able to start immediately. You know, they've talked to him about um, a potential of being a freshman All-American at Louisville and, and other places he might not be able to do that. And that's been really appealing to him. Also kind of the quote unquote, small town feel of Louisville is, uh, has appealed to him as well. You know, coming from El Campo, it ain't that big of a town. It, it's just right down the road from the metropolis of LaGrange. So right. you can only imagine you know, where it is. Um, so him going to Louisville, I think it's a really good culture fit for him too. Um, and, and so right now, the way I see it, I think he sticks. But like you said, if they have a really rough season and it looks like Scott Satterfield's on the hot seat and all, a lot of things are kind of happening in, in the front office there, then maybe we kind of recircle around this conversation and look at the importance of that Texas A&M uh, communication. Peyton Bowen, um, another one who might be in the line for a rankings bump. He's very good. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that doesn't completely wow you with like freakish athletic ability or the way he looks, but is just very good as a football player. 
he had that pick six in the in the in the opener and was just a very good player. Does Notre Dame keep him or does the pressure of the Texas schools really start to sway him here? Well, I will say his first game of the season was against my high school alma mater. And oh my goodness, he absolutely demolished them. It's actually five minutes up the street from me here in Denton, Texas. And it was just absolutely horrendous. It was tough to watch. But me being the Peyton Bowen fan I am, it was great to watch just because he's so much fun to, to see. You know, seeing him at future 50, like you said, he's probably in line for a bigger rankings bump as we get further into the season. But talking about his recruitment, you know, he, he committed to Notre Dame on, on New Year's Day. And that day he said, I'm still going to take visits. I'm still going to look around and, you know, do my due diligence with other schools. So it was never really a firm commitment from day one. That being said, uh, Marcus Freeman and that defensive staff has done a really good job of staying in, uh, staying in contact with him, building that relationship, offering his little brother Eli Bowen and, and maintaining that relationship. I think that has done a, a really good job uh, for those guys in South Bend. But, you know, Texas A&M and Oklahoma, those are the two schools that have really been trying to flip him. And as I see it right now, Texas A&M is probably in the best position to flip him. Um, you know, one day I hear he's going to stick with Notre Dame. He's firm. He's shutting everything down. Then the next day I hear, hey, Texas A&M feels really good about their chances to flip, uh, flip Peyton Bowen. So stuff's kind of coming in from all over. And, you know, when I talked to Peyton, um, uh, when I talked to Peyton last, he said the best school that has the chance of flipping him is Texas A&M. So why would you even talk about that if you weren't thinking about a flip? So I don't know. We'll just kind of see how things go uh, down the line. I think uh, season success will play a lot into it. And I think Peyton is going to be watching very closely to see what this uh, 2022 recruiting class, what they're able to do at Texas A&M in year one. Yeah, especially on defense. I mean, what they sure. did on the defensive line is freakish. Having Anthony Hill linebacker next year, and then that complement in the secondary would be huge for them. Uh, the final one, Derek Williams. Uh, Louisiana kid, basically a New Orleans kid, right? And then commits to Texas. But it seems like Alabama is the school that might have the best chance of flipping him. What are you hearing on Derek Williams and where he kind of stands now? Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I saw Derek back during the spring, I, I thought Alabama was probably in the best position to land him. Um, but, you know, when Texas got on their heater uh, during the summer and was able to, you know, land some some big time guys, Derek Williams was uh, right there in line. I think he was probably you could arguably say that's the second biggest commit that they had during the summer behind Arch Manning. Um, and Derek has been open about taking all five of his official visits. He's only taken one and it was to Texas. Um, so Alabama, I, they're certainly going to get an official visit. LSU, uh, Texas A&M wouldn't surprise me if they as well. I know Oklahoma has been kind of teetering with him as well. Michigan too. So we'll see if he takes his fifth visit to one of those places. But uh, like you said, Alabama, I think they're in the best the best position to possibly flip him. I don't think anything happens anytime soon, but once he takes these visits and the season kind of plays out, it, it, we kind of go back to the thing I mentioned with Jalen Hale. Like these these next two weeks, they better be kind to Texas or else Alabama's going to gonna have a couple of recruiting wins over them. Last, th last thing real quick, and this just kind of popped in my mind, but I do want to get your take on it because it's been talk of social media and that sometimes just drives you crazy. Arch Manning had a jamboree, a, a sort of a scrimmage last week. Did not look like phenomenal in it, but really didn't have many opportunities as well. And, and by no means is he locked in as the number one player in the country. But is there almost like this schadenfreude sense that we want Arch, you know, everyone, everyone on Twitter now wants Arch Manning to fail and he sucks. He's just not any good now. Uh it almost it just makes me really want him to play in an all-star game and show what he can do on an elite level with elite players. What's your sense? And and by no means is he number one for sure and no doubt about it. But this is a kid who could also play football pretty well, huh? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you mentioned the jamboree. Somebody asked me a few days ago, what is a jamboree? I was, right. like, I was like, it's Louisiana for this stuff don't count. So yeah. um, take, take it for what you will. Uh, he was six for 12 for 82 yards and an interception as well as a 33 yard rushing touchdown. If I can remember off the top of my head, it was yeah. around those kind of numbers. Uh, and that's what he was able to do. I know there was a, a clip that went viral of uh, the opposing fans screaming overrated. And then he rushed out for like a 33 yard touchdown. And you know, that, that made the rounds on social media, but you know, just kind of looking at his talent level and, and what I expect from him this year, I think this is the year he's going to have to like really put it together and put up those numbers on, on, on the stat board. Um, you know, I think that's something he hasn't really done yet when it comes to, you know, statistical stuff. Um, he's been really good about um, not turning the ball over. I will say that, but you know, I want to see that 3000 yard season. I want to see him yeah. put together 500, 600 rushing yards uh, and, you know, have a couple of long runs where he's able to get out of the pocket and just find an open space of field and just take off like he's supposed to against that level of competition. So you know, I, I think this is also something we'll kind of have to revisit as the season goes on. But, you know, as I see it right now, it's definitely a prove it year for Arch Manning. I, I think we had a factor fiction a couple of weeks ago, me and you, Gorney, where um, we were talking about the five star that had the most approved this year. You mentioned Arch Manning, and I think you're probably right now that I think about it. I mean, he's he's going to have to be the guy that really puts it together and, and shows that he is the number one player in the country without a doubt. Do I think he's number one right now? I don't know. You know, some days I say yes, some days I say no, but I think there's a strong case to be made for about five or six guys in this class, which yeah. I think is really interesting because it's not something that's really been said in recent classes. In, in the last few classes, there's been pretty firm number ones or, you know, two or three at the top, but I feel like there's a lot of candidates this year. Yeah. Awesome. More than 21 minutes. I, that will put anyone to sleep listening to the podcast <laughs> Thursday night, uh, heading into a big weekend of college football. That is Nick Harris. I'm Adam Gorney. That is the Respect My Decision podcast.